Welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I'm your host today. And the conversation today is going to be around forgiveness. This is a discipleship podcast and we want to be following in the way of Jesus. Uh, Discipleship is another word for apprenticeship. And we want to apprenticeship ourselves to Jesus. If you're an apprentice of someone, you follow them, you watch them, you learn from them, you listen for them, and from them, and then you allow that to impact your daily life. And it, and it does seem that there are, there are some themes within the Christian faith that are so central to emotional uh, health, and, and forgiveness is is one of those areas that if we don't learn to forgive, and we if we're not able to forgive, it affects the whole of our our lives and we can become rotten to the core uh, because we're unable to let things go. So in today's podcast we're thinking about discipleship and forgiveness and the way of Jesus and how forgiveness can impact our souls, make us healthy people uh, as we set others free and we set ourselves free uh, from Uh, the pain of unforgiveness. Friends, if you enjoy this episode, we'd love you to like it. We would love you to share it. We'd love you to subscribe. Subscribing is great because it means every week you will get a new discipleship uh, podcast for you to listen to. Thank you for listening so far. Really appreciating all the comments from you guys about our podcast. Uh, Really appreciating the love from you. If you've got a question you'd love us to look at, then do uh, email them in or put them in the comments uh, on whatever you're listening to this podcast on. You can leave a comment and I'd love you to answer this question and we'll look at your question. Today, let's look at the way of Jesus and forgiveness. So what is holding you back from forgiving someone? Actually, very often we we hold uh, unforgiveness inside of us and we don't even realise we've done it. You know, there are so many times when somebody's done something and you've just kind of you've glazed over or you've looked in the other direction, oh, you know, typical them, and you, you just move on. Uh, it can go from uh, unknown unforgiveness, and you only see it raise its head when you see somebody you think, oh, here we go again, and you suddenly realise you've not forgiven them from the past. And it can go all the way through to, you know, deep-rooted unforgiveness, where you've not spoken to somebody for years. And, and anything on that scale starts to affect your soul, it starts to harden your heart. You start to uh, look at somebody in a, in, in a way uh, that is unhelpful for you and, and certainly unhelpful for them. And at the heart of the Christian faith and at the heart of Jesus's teaching is this idea of peace, uh, peace with God, peace with each other and peace with the planet. And the, the Jewish uh, faith had a, a word for uh, this idea of peace, uh, peace between us and God, each other and the planet. And, it, it, and the word is shalom. And you, you might have heard that word before, but the word shalom is a Hebrew word. And when we translate it into English, we, we simply translate it as peace. But actually, the word shalom has much more going on inside of it. God is in the business of wanting to bring shalom and relationship and connection uh, between ourselves, each other, and the planet. He wants us, the word shalom can be translated as wholeness, or everything in its right place, or in its perfect place. And shalom is not the uh, ab, it's not the presence of peace. It's actually, it's, it's more than that. It's, um, it's a life that is lived 
bringing about relationship, connectivity in a life that is whole uh, and, and a life that is moving forwards in in reconciliation and in creating opportunities for peace. So the word shalom it is more than just um, being at peace with each other. It's the creating of peace and creating of a, of a space where peace can flourish. Uh, Louis uh, Samid says this, to forgive it is, is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was in fact you. I love that. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that, in fact, the prisoner uh, was you. Uh, when we forgive someone else, it's not just that we're setting them free from whatever they've done, but it's actually about setting yourself free from the sleepless nights uh, just marinating on that thought that you can't get rid of. And it's like somebody is uh, living rent-free in your mind. And until you forgive them and set them free, that person will keep living in your mind rent-free. And when you forgive them, you let them go. You free them from your thoughts. You allow yourself to not carry this anger or this pain or this hurt or this unforgiveness inside of you because if we don't let the anger out or that pain out or that unforgiveness out it, it sits in us and it becomes toxic and we become bitter and we become bitter people and then the only person that is affecting it is you and I don't know if you've seen this in your life before, but if you've not forgiven somebody, somebody's hurt you and you've not forgiven them and you've allowed it just to sit inside of you, it becomes toxic and it can start to affect other relationships around you. Uh, you can be quick to judge somebody else because of the way uh, that, that first person behaves. So forgiveness sets you free uh, from the, the past hurt, but it also means that you can move forward free uh, from all the ways that that unforgiveness will affect your future decisions. I don't know if you remember, in 2006, there was this horrific shooting in the USA, in Pennsylvania, this gunman went into an Amish community, into a school in the Amish community, uh, took out this shotgun and killed a class full of Amish children. And it was all over the news and it was just horrific. And I remember watching this thinking, oh my gosh, like how could you as a parent uh, ever deal with that? And how could you ever get to a place where you can set that gunman free, like uh, forgive them uh, so that you, you can be free from them? And then uh, a few days later, I came across this secondary story where after the shooting that the shooter had actually killed himself or he'd been shot by the police. I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, there was a fu uh, funeral for the shooter. And the Amish community, the parents of the children that had been shot, turned up to the funeral of the man that had shot their children. Now get that. Uh, they not only went to their own children's funeral, but they turned up to the shooter's funeral. And they sat with the mother of the shooter. And they sat with her and we said, you are so, you know, we are so sorry for the pain that your son has caused you in this. And they, and they sat with the family and it utterly broke me away. And, you know, their actions not only witness to this Christian God, this God of forgiveness, but they proactively created the space in which forgiveness could flourish and forgiveness could happen.
in this most straightforward way of turning up to this funeral, they were imitating Jesus. You you remember what Jesus said on the cross? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. In in this way, turning up to this funeral, they they actively acted out forgiveness. They acted out this this desire to create shalom and and create peace. Uh, They forgave, and this forgiveness, uh, as Christianity teaches, is the first steps towards peace and the first steps towards shalom. We forgive because God forgave us first. In forgiving us, now we get to participate in God's dream of reconciliation for the world. God first forgives us so that we now have the means to be people who forgive. And it, you know, God's first act of forgiveness is towards us so that we can act out the secondary act of forgiveness to others. We get to pass on, in other words, what has first been given to us. And the Christian understanding of forgiveness is this, is that that God forgives us. Jesus forgives us through his death on the cross so that we can be as sacrificial as him to forgive others. You know, when uh, I heard somebody say recently, I just can't forgive them. It would cost me everything to forgive them. I'm thinking, gosh, yes, that's what Jesus does on the cross. His own life to forgive us. And it, and it seems ridiculous in, in this day and age to be that forgiving to people who are criminals and that forgiving to people who may take the life of our own children. But it's in that sacrifice we actually find we set ourselves free. That Amish community, when they went to that funeral and they'd forgiven this shooter, what they weren't saying was it was okay. But they were saying that they were not going to carry bitterness and hatred in their hearts for the rest of their lives. In that moment, they they set themselves free from a life of pain. And that does not say that there are mornings where they wouldn't wake up and they would be uh, at pain for their loss. But it does mean that their hearts were not going to become hardened and filled full of hatred. And Jesus tells a, a really interesting little story. Uh, to help his disciple Peter understand forgiveness. And it's a story in in Matthew 18, uh, verses 21 uh, through to uh, 35. And it's called, in most Bibles, the parable of the uh, unmerciful servant or the unforgiving servant. And it is a story where Jesus uh, shows forgiveness. Uh, the, The master and the king in the story shows forgiveness. But the one who is forgiven then can't carry it out for someone else. So let me just read this to you, uh, just so you kind of get an idea of the story. I'm, I'm going to try and kind of fly through it while reading some of it. Uh, so the story is about Peter who comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive a brother or sister who sinned against me? Should it be seven times? Peter says. And then Jesus responds, I tell you, forgive not seven times, but 77 times. And then Jesus tells this parable, this story to explain that. He says there was a kingdom and there was a king and he wanted to settle all the debts with his servants that worked for him. And he starts going through one by one the different debtors. And he comes across a particular man who owes him uh, 10,000 gold gold bags. And he brings him in and he says to him, if you can't repay me, uh, then he says, uh, your wife and your children will be sold to repay your debt if you can't afford to pay me. And the servant falls onto his knees and he goes, please be patient with me. And he starts begging and crying out, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Uh, I'll do everything I can to pay back this debt. And the, the master looks at this servant and he takes pity on him. And he says, do you know what? 
I'm going to cancel that debt completely. The debt has completely gone. Your family are safe because I can see uh, that you want mercy. So I will give you mercy. Uh, The servant goes out and he's walking down the street and he bumps into another servant. Now, this servant owes him just a hundred silver coins, a small amount compared to what he owed. And he goes up to him, he grabs him, he he says in the story, he grabs him by the throat and he's choking him. You can imagine him getting him against the wall and pointing at him and says, pay me back what you owe me, he demands. And he starts threatening the man uh, with his life. And the servant falls to his knees and he too now begs this servant. And And he begs him and says, please forgive me. Please be patient with me. I will pay you back. Uh, So we have have the same scenario played out. I'll pay you back. Please forgive me. But this servant refuses. And instead, he goes off and throws the man into prison and says, you are going to stay in prison until you can pay back your debt. And he imprisons him. There are others that see this happening. And they go to the original master. They go to the king. And and they say, do you know what? Your servant is wicked. You cancelled his debt. Uh, because he begged you, but then when went out into the street, found somebody that owed him, and now he's thrown him into jail uh, to be tortured and has not forgiven him the way that you forgave that servant. And then in verse 35, it says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters. Because the story ends by the king pulling the servant back in and saying to the servant, you are such a fool. You have angered me by the way that you have now behaved towards somebody else. You've not carried on or you could say you've not paid forward what I have given you. I'm going to throw you in jail. And uh, and the servant gets chucked in jail to be tortured until he could pay back what he owed. So the, the original servant ends up getting the same punishment that he has given uh, to the man that owed him the silver. What an incredible little story. Can I just give you a couple of little facts? The number seven, Peter says, the number seven. It's an interesting a little throw in there at the beginning. How much shall we forgive them? Should we forgive them seven times? Why would Peter say that? Why, why the number seven? The number seven is a holy number. It's seen as God's number, the perfect number. And actually for Peter, what he was saying there was actually incredibly generous. So just a little uh, understanding of culture at that time. If an offender was given forgiveness up to three times, then the law said they didn't have to be forgiven for the fourth offence. Uh, if you've been forgiven three times, the fourth time you don't need to be forgiven, you could be thrown into uh, prison or you could uh, be taken to court or, or whatever justice would be uh, on the fourth occasion. So uh, justice was forgiving somebody three times and then on the fourth account, giving them what they owe. So when Peter says, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? What about seven times? Because that's better than four, isn't it, Jesus? Like, aren't we being graceful if we allow somebody up to seven, forgiving them seven times? And then the eighth time, so it's twice as good as what the law said. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, actually, Peter, I want you to forgive 70 times seven times. And so if seven was the perfect holy number, Jesus says, be holier and be holier and be holier. In other words, just keep going. Forgiveness needs to just keep flowing. Don't don't see it as there's a point now where somebody's tipped over and, and this is it. 
time has gone. I, I do a lot of work with people in recovery. And this, this message of forgiveness that God wants to keep forgiving and keep forgiving, keep forgiving. And friends, we talk about cheap grace. You know, you, you can forgive somebody, uh, but if they then go and keep doing the same crime over and over, then they're, they're not respecting your grace. So we, and we call that cheap grace. I want to be, I, I totally get that. But that is exactly how I behave. But in the goodness of God, God still forgives me anyway. And, and as a disciple, uh, if we keep receiving God's grace, uh, then, you know, that's fine. But actually, God is wanting us to not have to keep receiving that grace. He wants us to move in a, in a different direction. So let me just, uh, so this yeah, the story is all about uh, pass on what God has passed to you, where the Father has forgiven you through Jesus, you now do the same. And when you meet somebody in the street that owes you a debt, pass on forgiveness. So it's this idea that forgiveness flows into us and then we pass forgiveness and flow it out into someone else. And it's this idea of pay it forward, pass it on, give it away, be people who live by shalom, people who live by peace, people who live by reconciliation. Don't allow yourself to be imprisoned by hatred and pain, but free yourself by passing it along giving on to the next person. But but, a couple of thoughts about forgiveness. Uh, Forgiveness doesn't mean that you are pardoning or excusing the person's actions. Uh, When you forgive them, it's not saying what you did is okay. When you forgive somebody, it's not you saying, I'll let you get away with it. Uh, What they have done still exists. It can still have ramifications and it can have consequences. But what you do in forgiveness, you are pardoning them. So that you are not paying your part or or forcing uh, the consequences of what they've done. Forgiveness doesn't mean you need to tell the person that they are forgiven. There are times when it is totally appropriate to um, forgive someone and not even tell them that that's what you are doing. Forgiveness also doesn't mean that you shouldn't have feelings about the situation. You can have a view and have feelings about it. Uh, And forgiving somebody doesn't mean that you don't have emotion towards what happened. Forgiveness doesn't mean there is nothing further to work out in that relationship and that everything is now okay. Uh, Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that you move on and not resolve the issue or deal with the issue. Uh, So there sometimes needs to still be further conversations to work out uh, how you're going to move forward. Uh, Forgiveness doesn't mean you should forget the incident and that it ever happened. Uh, Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Uh, There are times when it it is important that we don't forget because we're not going to let somebody do that to us again. And that doesn't mean about putting defensive walls up, but it's about being wise. So forgiveness doesn't mean that you're just going to let people keep doing it. You become a doormat. Uh, Forgiveness is setting them free so you are set free, but then you might put in some boundaries so they are unable to do what they've done to you again. And forgiveness doesn't mean you have to continue to include that person in your life. Friends, there are times when we have to forgive them so we set ourselves free. But we also have to cut that person out of our life because what they have done is unacceptable. And there are are certain incidents, certain things that somebody may have done to you that it is perfectly good to say, "I, I don't want you in my life. You are a toxic person. 
and you are unhelpful and I'm cutting you out of my life so that I can live a healthy life. Sometimes that's for a period of time. Sometimes that just has to be, uh, particularly when it's um, something uh, that's maybe against the law. Let's put it down, you know, it's something that's against the law and they've done something to you. You cut them out of your life. You don't need to go back there. Forgiveness isn't something you do for the other person. Remember this, forgiveness is something that you do for yourself. When we forgive, we set ourselves free from the sleepless nights and the anxiety and allowing them to live rent-free in our minds. That's what we're doing. We're setting ourselves free in that act. Now, there are many helpful uh, websites out there. You can find websites, 14 Steps to Forgive People, or Helpful Tips. In There are a lot of those kind of websites out there. And I want to encourage you, if you need to work through forgiveness, then, then Google them, find them, talk to people about what they found helpful. That There's lots of those things. But I want to really just focus on uh, one of the ways that uh, I think is central to uh, being somebody who lives out forgiveness and is able to live out uh, forgiveness. Uh, I have found nothing more helpful than to look at Jesus, to realise the forgiveness that he's had for me, the heart of love that he has for me, and then to mirror that to other people. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, his way, focusing on Jesus and what he does and how he behaves and how he acts, this can help us become more peaceful and able to forgive others. So in other words, the more we gaze on at Jesus, the more we see the love that Jesus has for us, the forgiveness that Jesus has for my debt, the more appreciative I become of his forgiveness, the more I am able then to be forgiving to others. If I'm the worst of sinners and I've received the grace of God, I've I've received God's forgiveness, then to pass that on is a gift that I get the pleasure of uh, being a part of God's process of peacemaking and peace creating in the world. If God's desire is to see the whole cosmos at peace with itself, at shalom with itself, then I get the privilege of partnering with God in being somebody who creates peace. Uh, the, The choices that we make can either create conflict or they can create peacemaking and we get to choose which direction we want to go so some little helpful hints things that I found particularly helpful number one I would say this if you have to make a decision don't let your emotions vote for you don't let your emotions vote for you Jeremiah 17 9 says this our hearts are deceitful above all things and beyond cure let me read that again Jeremiah 17 9 our heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. If I make decisions out of my emotions, I will always make decisions that are unhelpful because my heart is always drawn to uh, decisions that help me flourish, help, help me feel good about myself. And my heart is deceitful. It lies to me all the time. And I have to make a choice to not listen to it. So to choose not to let our emotions drive our decisions is incredibly helpful. My emotions will always lie to me. So engaging with our emotions is important. We need to engage with them. We don't hide them. We don't avoid them. We don't bury them, but we don't let them take over. We mustn't let our emotions take over. We should always first in this situation gaze upon Jesus and recognize first what he has done for me. Therefore, 
What we should do is pray that God would give us a heart like his, a heart that is soft, that is willing to engage with our emotions. Uh, you, you look at the heart of God. What is the nature of God, the character of God? The character of God is quick to forgive, slow to anger. Quick to forgive, slow to anger. So my prayer has to be, God, I want your character to rub off on me. I want your attitudes and your behaviours, your heart to transform my heart. And there's a danger that when we are unforgiving, our hearts become harder and they get thick skin on them. And eventually they become so hard, we, we become bitter. And when we're in that place, we can make all these choices that seem good and right to uh, uh, to to almost hold people at arm's length. We, we can justify our behaviours. But actually, if our prayer is, God, make my heart soft, make my heart like yours. Lord, would I be someone who doesn't go into self-preservation? Would I be somebody that is a part of your work of being, bringing uh, peace and shalom uh, to the whole of the created order? If that's what we're praying, God will soften our hearts and, and he'll transform our hearts and he'll shape our hearts and he'll essentially do heart surgery on us. So don't allow yourself to be filled full of resentment. Uh, resentment is like drinking a poison and then expecting the other person to die. Don't allow yourself to be filled full of resentment. Resentment is like drinking a poison and expecting the other person to die. Uh, I know people who, rather than forgiving, have sat back and they've held on to their anger and their resentment as if it's somehow punishing the other person. And years go by and they've sat with this resentment and they've sat with this anger. The other person has moved on and they're living their lives. They're happy. They're content. They've, they've carried on. Sometimes they're even unaware that person is carrying that resentment and all that resentment done has done is become a poison that has affected the heart of that individual. And they've become bitter and angry towards an individual. And it's so painful to see when someone, if they'd have only forgiven that person, not said it was okay what they'd done, was not trying to justify that other person's actions, but said, do you know what? You've done that. I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not, I don't want you in my life but I'm going to forgive you. Uh, if they'd have just done that and, and not allowed the resentment to harden their heart and their resentment to become bitter in their heart, uh, they would have had a very different life now. There are people that I know that their marriages have fallen apart. They have never forgiven the person that walked out and have now spent the next 40 years living bitter towards that individual and therefore never found love again. Uh, I know people who've had an argument with their son and their daughter and they've held resentment in their hearts and 15 years have gone by, they've never spoken, they've not seen their grandchildren uh, and they've not been involved at Christmas or those festivals with their family and they sit at home lonely. And you think, come on, if only we could get to a place where we would actively let go of that resentment and move forward and be people who create peace. I love this. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Okay. I'm going to try and translate that now into what I would describe 
is a Chris Rogers translation of the Bible. So I've taken the words and I've tried to word it in a real clear way. I would say that this passage is saying this. Make sure you live by the same grace as Jesus and that no bitterness grows and causes future trouble that will ruin you. Uh, you can ruin your life because you don't forgive an individual. So make sure you live by the same grace as that Jesus has lived towards you. And that grace that Jesus has lived towards you was costly. It cost him his life, but it was worth it. It was worth it because you are now free. Are you going to free others on? Are you going to take the cost and free others from uh, what they have done to you. My last comment would be this. Often we say, I forgive you, but I don't forget. I forgive you, but I don't forget. What that means is I forgive you, but I'm holding it against you. What that means is I forgive you, but you owe me. Friends, that is not forgiveness. That is not forgiveness. This is still holding something back from a person. True forgiveness is when we choose to say, I forgive you and I let go of all the strings. You don't owe me anything. Go in peace. Go in peace. Real forgiveness is when we say to another individual, you're forgiven. I'm going to let you go. You owe me nothing. Everything else before that. So this whole idea of I forgive you, but I don't forget. Or I forgive you, but I hold this against you. Or I forgive you, but you owe me. That will always leave you in a bitter place. It will always leave you in a place where you feel powerful and you think they owe you one and they ought to and they should. And it'll become nothing but resentment in your heart. Friends, the invitation of the way of Jesus is to be someone who forgives not once, not twice, not three times, but keeps going keeps going. Why? Because it sets you and I free from the prisons that we are living in. And unless we forgive someone else, we will be imprisoned by our own pain, anger and frustration. And if we don't forgive the other, then we are letting them live rent-free in our minds. Friends, I hope you found today's podcast helpful. Forgiveness is not easy. And if this podcast has particularly raised questions in your mind, I want to encourage you to talk to somebody about it. It might be that you have got things that you need to forgive and it feels too big a thing for you to deal with or too big a thing for you to forgive. Friends, there is never anything too big for you and I to forgive. There are things that are complex and difficult, but never too big. So I'd love to encourage you, talk to somebody about it. Explain to them about what's going on and invite them to pray with you and allow God to be at work in you in softening your heart. Friends, until next time, I hope you found this helpful. Grace and peace. Peace.